This is Jason Schwartz from Maui. I am here in the studios of the Dreammakers Foundation, Mama and Papa, that's me, Maui Arts and Music Association, people aligned in positive action. We are home recording. This is my home and office. And I have guests that have cordially come to my home through the medium of Zoom. And Zoom has an option where we can record it. And so for now, this format you see is the new world that we're gonna live in. And uh, so let me introduce you to a wonderful guest. Today I have Kurt Butler. Kurt Butler has been on our show before. How long has it been now, Kurt? Year and a half, maybe almost. A year? Six, eight months. Been Six. quite a while. Time keeps running away. When last we were speaking, um, I think I introduced you as an activist and a self-generated activist, someone who's a concerned citizen who cares about himself and others and has been in dialogue both through the media and through the powers that be like the state and the feds and local uh, whatever to get clarification on subject of labeling and the idea that many things out there are a sham. If someone wants to make a buck and they're putting things out there, am I in the right vicinity? Yeah, I, I'm a, a consumer advocate, mostly in the health field. There are a lot of uh, health and medical and nutrition scams out there. And at this time, uh, with this uh, COVID-19 crisis we have, uh, these scammers are all the more active. And so I feel that uh, this is a good to remind people that uh, they cannot rely on the government to protect them, either the state government or federal government. Uh, well, maybe I sound, can start with a little Your sound is going in and out a little bit. See if I can. Uh, it's just the, your sound, Qua. I don't know if it. Are you on a Wi Fi cable or what is your connection? Cable? Yeah, I'm on Wi Fi. So am I. Okay. Well, somewhere in our signal, we're not using telephone. Anyway, okay. So, anyway, so you're saying that trusting the state government and the federal government is like. Uh, someone saying, oh, yes, we're here for your best interest, and later to discover that it was either self-interest or no interest and just wanted you to go away. And so you're really not doing the job of protecting the consumers because these people are out there saying, look, we have these pills. We're passionate about them. This that and the other thing do this that and the other thing for you and we want your money and even though we'll give you your money back you won't want your money back but then later you might discover they're there or they're not there they'll give you your money back no 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 they'll give you a new product so and there's all kinds of people that legitimately back up what they're due but you're aware a lot I've seen you very visible that you're aware that there are a lot of scammers out there and a lot of companies 
even the vitamin companies and things, some of them make direct uh, claims. Some of those claims I, I know from my own research have, uh, what do we call it? Testing. And then some of those testings is, you know, yeah, Mickey and Minnie and Goofy, we had these people and this is what happened to them. Or some of them say, oh, no, no, we've documented it. And the difference in this is because now we have 20 people, 10 didn't get it, 10 did. In other words, you, you watching, I know I'm talking a lot. You need to jump in because I'll just keep talking. Um, tell me well, more let, what let me you're identifying. Let me start with an anecdote that uh, sparked my most recent interest. Uh, at certain crafts fairs and uh, small stores, I would see these products uh, in these tin, these little cans that look like um, chewing tobacco cans. And then there were um, little uh, uh, flyers that go with them. And the flyers say that the, these products are effective against a wide range of uh, health issues. And I was most concerned when I saw the claim that these products were effective against bacterial and viral infections. And I noticed that they're, these are locally made. They're apparently made in someone's kitchen or garage. There was no kind of, um, the kind of labeling you see on most products that if you go into a so-called health food store, it says on the label exactly what's in it and that, um, the FDA has not uh, approved of this product, has not inspected, and so it says nothing like that. It just says that it's effective for these, and, and they're for internal use, or you can rub them on your skin. So, so I wrote a letter to the State Department of Health and a copy to the governor's office with a copy of this flyer. And I said, um, here is this product making these claims. Uh, can the consumer rely on the accuracy of these claims? Uh, are the manufacturing facilities inspected in any way? Is the sanitation guaranteed? Are there, um, you know, all the usual things a consumer would want to know. Uh, if someone's making the I mean, viral and bacterial infections can kill you. So if someone is just selling these things, and they're rather expensive, actually, um, you'd want to know that there is some kind of government inspection. I mean, the, the, the government inspects the kitchens for these um, food trucks. 
You know, they, the food trucks have to be inspected by the department. They have to get a pass. And so you'd think that for drugs, there would be at least that much of uh, government keeping tabs on what's going on. So I would think so. I sent, yeah, I, so I sent a letter to the governor's office and to the um, Department of Health, the, the same letter with the same flyer, and I asked them, I asked them a bunch of questions about this kind of stuff, and they just ignore me. So a month later, I do it again, and they ignore me. And I do it again and again, and they just completely ignore me. And so it, it's, it's a matter of we don't have any consumer protection uh, did, you call, did, you, did you call them? Uh, no, did I did follow them? up with emails, uh, but I get no reply to those either. I, I myself, you know what I, as a blind guy, I'm trying to think of if you were busy, you're the Department of Health, and you have eight workers. I'm making it up, but that I'm not this doesn't condone it. It basically says, aren't we understaffed? It seems to me that no response from a government agency on repeated attempts through conventional sources that they provide, email and phone. That's why I'm asking, because I have problems like this in different areas, trying to help people that are homeless or struggling or the police did this or did that to them. Or I, anyway, we live in quite a world here. And I can't well, get acknowledgement. Well, let me tell you uh, about a kind of a somewhat related experience showing that they have a totally different standard when it comes to foods and drugs. I noticed that this one food truck had a little dog in it and this dog would run around in the food truck it would go outside it would go back in it would jump up on the table where food prep was going on and when i reported that to the health department they got right on it <laughs> and uh you know, within days, that problem was solved. You never saw that dog at food truck again. Well, why are drugs held to a different standard? You would think that drugs claiming to be life-saving cures for bacterial and viral infections would be even much more stringently controlled. No uh, question. And why do they? Why, why, do, why do they ignore me? And um, so I, you know, I've thought about it. Why do they do this? Why don't they care? Um, and, and and sure, they may be busy. They may not have a lot of people in their office. But um, given that they've had months and months, you know, you think it at least. It'd, uh, call me or write me and say, uh, we're looking into it. 
but no, I, they just completely ignore me. Uh, and and I've had a similar problem with a, a so-called health food store. I call it a health fraud store, where these people claim that their uh, vitamins and herbs can cure everything, anything that, that ails you. And they, they'll name the diseases. That they'll say that that uh, we have products that will cure uh, advanced stage four cancers. And these people have no credentials in any health-related field. All they- May I ask for a second? Because I know them a long time. Dennis and Mona Jones, you're talking about alive and well, right? Yeah. So like, they were students of, of whatever they were students of, but not, nutritional medicine at a level that meets your scrutiny. So let's say I'm using them as a great example because has anyone ever asked them that you can't make claims about things? How does that, what's happened? Oh, I've challenged them for years. And, and but I mean, have, have any authorities you know, given them some no, I, I, I contact the authorities. I've contacted the head of uh, the head of the local, the Maui Department of Health, uh, Dr. Pang, and he's kind of a crackpot as far as doctors go. He believes in uh, the chemtrails, you know, this chemtrail conspiracy theory about I mean that this is just jet exhaust is all it is, but he he thinks that there that there's some nefarious entity out there that is um, spraying chemicals on us. That <laughs> so no matter again I, when I look at that, whether or not there's some nefarious group or whether it's just the back of a a donkey up there or a train or a plane. Um, I'm most concerned about this is a, the health. So if the silver or whatever, nitrate in the sky, and that's all here and there, that's all science, I hope, hopefully science-based. Maybe he throws his weight around as the head of the Department of Health, and you could probably ask him to cite more specifically, but he must have some reason. But again, whether he does or he doesn't, still doesn't get down to what you said to me that's why i'm bringing it up which is if the people at alive and well are claiming these things about vitamins how are they supporting it and that piece is a good piece because that's the piece that can make get you satisfaction and maybe they can still sell the same stuff but support it in a way that is well, look, they so, even claim that they can. They even claim that they that their products can cure AIDS. Uh, the word "cure" is a very, very funny one. Go ahead. Well, they claim that they that that they have products that will totally um, wipe out the virus from your body. Now, that's been a holy grail of the medical profession, and that area for decades ever since the um epidemic started and there there has never been uh there, there may be one case of the millions of cases recorded where um medications actually uh 
cleared the virus from a body. And now they're saying that their and herbs can do that. I mean, it is just so preposterous. And uh, but you're open. You're open to to seeing uh, results, right? I mean, I'm sure that you. Of would course. Like of course. So that's why well, I'm look, saying they, that if, if, if they really have put together some vitamin, vitamins and herbs to do that, they could win a Nobel Prize. Well, that's uh, why I'm asking it this way, because to me, sounds like as a citizen and as a concerned consumer, uh, you know, after a while, when you start talking about things that are, quote, they're controversial because they challenge things the way they go on you can get a reputation i know i people say jason's angry he's he's irrational and i don't hear the word irrational but that's why i'm talking to you in the measured way that i am kurt because i've always found you to be very clear about what you're asking for and if if i if i think that rays from the sky cure something I may tell you what I allege, but I don't tell you it's fact. Your concern is that someone's telling you and not supporting it, and there's crackpots out there that are taking strict. Am I right? I hope that's what I'm saying. Yes, you are. You you are a very important. What? They're they're vehemently anti-vaccine, which. Is a very dangerous thing to be these days. I mean, vaccines are one of the greatest public health triumphs in the history of humanity. Uh, we've wiped, uh, wiped smallpox off the face of the earth. There are much lower uh, incidence of a wide range of killer diseases. Uh, some vaccines are actually anti-cancer vaccines. For example, the hepatitis uh, B vaccine is uh, an anti-liver <coughs> cancer vaccine because most people who get um, hepatitis B end up with liver cancer. So people who get the Hep B vaccine, they're preventing liver cancer. Um, so your, your point is now, now when the anti when the anti-vaccine people. Uh, managed to persuade uh, the population Samoa that the measles vaccine was terrible. Well, we ended up with uh, hundreds of cases of measles and 200 children died. So this kind of misinformation is really killer misinformation. And by the way, let me show, this is a, 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 web, a little website blog, killerlies.blogspot.com. It has a lot Kill, more detail. Killer lies? Killer lies with an S? So you forgot the S. You might want to fix it. Killer lies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. So, so we'll, we'll put that one at the bottom. See, under now we have this new thing called killerlies.blogspot.com. Okay. And that has a lot more detail than we can cover in this short interview. Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for 
realizing the interview is short, we still have a bunch more time. Uh, I'm, I'm fooling in the same breath. The truth is, what I, well, the reason that I speak to you so comfortably over these years is, I've had a lot of people say to me, because you've been doing this for a while, that this guy's radical. Whenever I speak to you, I don't hear radical. I hear clear. And yeah, I know Dennis and Mona. I like Dennis and Mona as people. And when I ask them about things, I ask those harder questions of them. Like, do you have any facts that show this? I don't have myself in a health thing. But people that are in a health thing need to get the source of information. And you'd hope that backstop was the Department of Health. So that's one area that you've shared with me. You have questions, big questions about the follow through of the Department of Health on the most significant area going on, which to me is what you're taking in, now, way different than uh, other things that they check on. The, the dog and the food truck, that they got. But checking to see if this uh, accusation or this claim that vitamin A, uh, 10,000 uh, milligrams a day, coupled with chlorophyll and three drops of this will make your stomach better. And you'd like to see some more on that. Am I right what you're saying? Well, let me just tell you, yeah, let me just tell you one brief kind of end that whole story. When I gave up on the Department of Health, I sent them one last letter. I said, since you apparently have no objection to this kind of product, people making drugs in their garages or their kitchens, I am going to cook up a batch of uh, anti-COVID-19 uh, cure and I'm going to start marketing it in this state. And <laughs> they had absolutely, again, no reply. They have no, no well, objection to so here, putting out no. fake cures. So watch, right? Here you are. You, you create your own tins, and you say, you know, COVID solutions, and you have them available with a flyer. If someone came to them with that, Maybe they think it's more important because people are dying. They heard the word COVID in it. But if if it was a flyer that had an angel on it and beautiful colors, and they talked about vitamin Z with a you know to the twelfth power, they wouldn't dress it because it's over their head, not in their jurisdiction. I find that's the biggest thing going on that the buck gets passed. In our current situation now, I don't want to say who's to blame. They're all to blame. But the biggest thing is people don't know and pass the ball, pass the buck. The Chinese did it. The French did it. That's because we didn't close this. Who cares? What are we going to do to solve the problem? And if you're going to sell me lotions and potions to solve this problem, you would like them to stand up and do their part of checking what is being sold on the market. Why didn't well, they? How long, ago was, how long ago was this, Kurt? Oh, my last letter to them was maybe three weeks ago, but you know, it's gone. It, it it's gone over three or four months where I've sent letters and they haven't replied. 
But I have a theory about why they won't do anything about these things. They are in on scam. As long as people pay their taxes, it's like, you know, the, the state gets its cut and this uh, the taxes help pay for their salaries. So they're not going to do anything to um, hinder the income of the state taxes. Uh, if, if it, so it's sort of like a, a, a protection racket. As long as you pay your taxes, we're going to let you run this scam. <laughs> That's, I don't know how else to see it. The way I see it is, I hear the echo there. That's the nature of man and woman. Sadly, it's the morality piece that we have a problem with. And it's so pervasive in our society and the way people are with each other. And it's the whole policy by it's like a being who says, well, why should I take care of this? It's going to eliminate the need for my job. It's like when you go to the airline, yeah. and there's this thing that says, well, why don't you do your ticket at this machine? Hey, you guys are pushing us to use this machine that's eliminating your job. Now we don't need anyone to stand back there. Now, now you got to be home with your kids, but we're not going to pay you anymore because we have a computer that replaced you. So by we were able to lower our health care costs and you had pre-existing conditions by uh, but if you go to that store they'll tell you take this and take that and they're trying to make money and they think that their information is good enough for them and i'm not saying that i believe they actually believe what they say i don't think that they're thinking um like i'm talking dennis and mona by example that they think that they're trying to hurt anyone, but they don't support it enough to be able to, like you say, uh, to make you satisfied that they're supporting it with truth and that these advertisements need to be clearer. I, and I talked, I'm gonna have another guest. Have you, do you know um, Dr. Doug Price? Have you met him? No. I mentioned you to him yesterday, and I told him there's a gentleman that comes on. Uh, his name is Kurt Butler. Uh, you're a doctor. He deals with this guy, Scalar, and I'm you know I'm talking about studying modalities, different things. But even in that, wait, what kind of doctor? A lot of people are calling themselves doctor, and they well, have this is a chiropractor. Forty years, he's been a chiropractor. I know others that deal with different technologies like I, I don't think chiropractors should be should legally be able to call themselves doctors. All they well, do I didn't is make crack the rules. Back. Look, <laughs> I crack knuckles. Is this is this gonna improve my health cracking my knuckles? There are all these ads and tweets on uh, online now where these chiropractors are saying, well, never mind the um, social distancing necessities come into our office and uh, get these spinal manipulations to boost your immune system. That well, is see, a total scam. There's not a word of truth to it. Well, again, first of all, you and I would agree that 
one chiropractor doing that, number one, it isn't all of them. And many would say to that guy or gal, what are you doing? Why are you getting close to people? Create the distance here. What's with you? We're going to give you a $5,000 ticket a day. I'm making up, but there, but you're saying that there are claims that back manipulation is going to improve your immune system enough for you to feel stronger than God when you're out there. And prevent COVID-19. That is the implication. That's why there's... I have never seen flat. that. That is horrible if that's happening. Oh, go on Twitter. There's a lot of them. Social By the way, media. If you want... If you if you want my uh, you have tw a Twitter account, this is my handle at Maui Liberty. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so stay a minimum of six feet away from others and stay home if you can. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I have a very special guest today. I have Doctor and Lieutenant Governor Josh Green with us. Uh, welcome to our show today. Thanks. I, I love being here. Well, this is May 5th of 2020. And um, when I first talked about having you on the show, we were going to be talking about housing and the need for housing, housing first. And we were going to talk about uh, other alternative health things and things like that. And we may talk about that, but I know we're right in the middle of this COVID-19 virus. And you are not only lieutenant governor, but I want to say a health commander in chief here. And um, I'd like to get a current look at what you think is going on and what you can tell our viewers, because I'm going to put this to our Maui Daily Show here later. Sure. Well, thank you again. Uh, this certainly wasn't what we expected to, to have a pandemic in the middle of uh, this four-year adventure as lieutenant governor. But... I feel pleased that I can add a little extra oomph to the response. Where we are right now is, and you can see over my back shoulder, people might be interested. This is our whiteboard, I brought it along. Uh, we have 625 cases now to date confirmed. There are certainly more you know, positive cases of COVID-19 in our state, but the curve is very flat, as you can tell. It has significantly dropped off, and so the viral load in the state continues to drop every day, which is to say, more people are recovering. Now 551 out of 625 people have recovered, which is 88.2%. And that's a very good thing. Now, of course, Maui had a, had a brief crisis when the uh, Maui Memorial Hospital lit up. And that was scary as heck, I'm sure, for many there. Uh, the good news is it has died down. And I, I don't have a strong position to defend or detract from Maui Memorial or any other place. It's a tough situation. When you have these outbreaks, which are super infectious to people, we have no natural immunity, you get spread. And the biggest concern I have right now is that the federal government is making some pretty terrible decisions about how they're going to manage the outbreak on the mainland. And right now they've been getting 20,000 cases a day on the mainland. And now that's going to bump up to 50,000 new cases a day, in my estimation, based on their loosening of the restrictions. And that's very dangerous. It's dangerous to the world. It's dangerous to the the poor folks that are going to get infected and have a high mortality rate if they have chronic disease, if they're very senior and so on. But also it affects us. It affects how we will recover and how we'll be able to adjust when we decide it's time to have tourism resume to the state of Hawaii. 
So those are some big things I think about. Well, that one is pretty big there. That uh, I think we have to be more cautious almost than anyone. We have people coming from all over the world here. And I'm sure unless we have adequate uh, instant or virtually instant testing going on, we're yes. leaving ourselves open to being the, the one that has, a, you know, a very pure environment and then one that can't get rid of it. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. We, right now, you're so right, Jason. We have the safest environment, safest, right, in the whole country, yeah. in the whole world. We are, we are absolutely poised to have that be something that is a calling card for ourselves. Yet, if we have sudden uh, surge of COVID-19 from the mainland, say from New York, where I come from, and a lot of our listeners and, and people who live in Mali come from, uh, if we had a sudden surge from, from the mainland U.S. and also concerned about a surge from Japan or Korea or China, it could be quite terrible. So what I believe we're going to have to do is uh, even more than have uh, rapid tests here, I think we're going to have to have an understanding that we have people get tested within 72 hours of leaving wherever they are. It won't be perfect because there is a window of, of question. You know, you could be asymptomatic and carrying the virus. Uh, you also could, of course, get sick the day after you got tested. But by having a, a window like that, it will greatly diminish the number of possible cases here in Hawaii. And I think that that's worth doing and necessary. If we do that, I've done the modeling with, with experts. It, it really decreases the probability that we're going to have a big nightmare here. And hopefully once we you know, once the world starts returning to normal, people say, oh, Hawaii really did it well and uh, is, is a wonderful natural place to visit. I like that idea. You know, I see these uh, airlines, they're, it looks like getting back to normal scheduling 9.30, and I mean, that's like five, six months from now. What does that mean to our state until then? You, how well, do you it, figure that's that out? That's an excellent question. So one thing that I've learned, I mean, I've, these pandemics or other crises uh, are very informative. You learn a ton because you have to study all the, all the things that surround them. Uh, the economic picture is this. We went from having the, virtually the lowest unemployment rate in the country to the highest. And so we jumped up 250,000 individuals, essentially, became unemployed because we so shut down the state. And States all across the country are suffering in this way, but we more than others. Of that 250,000 people, 150,000 or 60% are a part of the Kamaaina economy, our local domestic economy to Hawaii. And the governor just moments ago uh, made a profound announcement that we are opening a lot of things about 36 hours from now. And I'll share that with you uh, in, in a half second. So... 150,000 of the 250,000 people should resume employment quite quickly. That's going to happen. The next 100,000, though, the remaining 100,000 people that lost their jobs are very closely attached to the tourism industry. And that's uh, hotel workers, airlines, certain parts of the economy that re rely completely on tourism. That's going to take a little bit more time because it, like you said, is going to take months before we even remotely approximate than tourist numbers that we had, even if we want to. I, I'm not sure we totally want to come back to those numbers. We, we certainly want to have a vibrant economy, but this may be the time where we're more mindful of what our caring capacity is and what we just want as people. Some people, notwithstanding the economic hurt, and I would never minimize that, some people are taking 
this opportunity to pause and to spend more time with their loved ones and to reflect on maybe having a little less, uh, but a little less economic activity, but a lot more uh, enjoyment and a lot more time to savor Hawaii. And I think that's possible. That, that may be what the upshot of this whole thing is. I'm with you. I'm taking the words out of my mouth, which is what I like. Um, yes. You, when you first were uh, coming on as uh, to be Lieutenant Governor, and you were talking about housing, have you, is there uh, anything going on there? Because I always am wondering now, in this situation, it seems like the people that don't have housing and that are on the lower end, they're going to be affected by all this. And going forward, we're going to need so much housing. Is there any kind of emergency housing plans going on on any of the islands right now? There is. Uh, but the, the, the stuff that we're working on, where people are in the most desperate straits, where people have been homeless, completely homeless, or so near to being destitute that they're about to become homeless, is in the works. And we actually have already started to launch some of what we call Kauhali, which are small communities around the state. Started one in Waimanalo, another is going up in Kaleloa. Uh, Big Island opened one with 32 units. And it's an interesting opportunity to have this crisis because giving people a roof over their heads obviously is necessary to keep them in a sheltered position so that they aren't um, extremely exposed and in a, in a dense camp where they could infect one another and then other people. So we are doing that right now, but a lot more is going to need to be done. And what I actually think, I'll say something a little bit provocative here on your program, and that is that some businesses, as you know, will not be able to survive. And it's never good to see something go down, but there are some of the older hotel chains and some individuals that may have to walk away from what's been going on, just because when you take away six months of significant activity economically, they can't survive. And they may want to sell. And I have already cautioned, in fact, advised our leadership around me to keep our eyes on this because we may be able to have quite a win-win opportunity. Some people may want to bail at, at you know, a small cost uh, to get out of the market. And those hotels may very well provide an opportunity to do some affordable housing and workforce housing. I hope that that's the case because I would definitely not want to see us, if we had a building out there, step away from it and not provide housing when we have an extreme housing shortage. When my team did a tour of the entire state uh, on homelessness specifically before, you know, long before the COVID crisis occurred, that was what we heard absolutely everywhere, which is there's a shortage of in inventory, there's a shortage of houses, there's a shortage of opportunities. As soon as you look at potentials for several thousand units that might become available, you start wondering, okay, well, maybe that's the opportunity to take to have the hope, you know, the hotel workers have a place to live and work very near their hotels, to have an opportunity to totally uh, reverse fields. We didn't have those housing opportunities because things were so expensive. Now we may just have an opportunity to have a big surge of them. So we should, it's kind of turning lemons into lemonades and lemonade in a way, but it's uh, important if that opportunity arises to seize it uh, because boy, this is a time when it's very quiet out there, right? There's, there's no activity with no tourism uh, virtually for at least three months and maybe six. We should, we should yeah. definitely listen if people want to make us offers to help us solve some of our other problems. Well, and um, 
it just I always think about you know alternative housing solutions and alternative community models that are maybe not in the uh, in the codes right now or the codes could be worked there are so many things I've seen I always wonder if these kind of times can allow quote under an emergency situation to try different models that might serve as our population is growing and and we want to integrate uh, you know the farms and the people in a new way and I always am looking at that you know especially if there's not going to be people working what can we create that becomes work out of an alternative housing thing to set a new model that we almost here create our own economy locally and serve all our people not by creating a new currency but by creating a new quote trade system here that would work yes. including housing and in a way i'm just bringing it up because i um i guess you get so busy trying to work through the system and at some point i always when i speak to people that get in office it's oftentimes when you get in you see you don't have quite as much power as you had hoped you would have before you got in but you're in a very interesting position because you your visibility now i think statewide your position to um let's say run for our next governor could i say that um yeah i'm i'm definitely um if, if jamie thinks it's the right thing for us i'll definitely run for governor i, I have no compulsion about saying that to dear friends i you know, I've been able to see it after a year and I see not from a power perspective, which I know is not what you're suggesting. No. But from an, a, a, for me, an opportunity to once and for all resolve the homeless and housing question, to once and for all uh, make the case that everyone must have health care. And that's why we were actually in a better position than many as, as states go to make sure our mortality rate was very low. I mean, we had things in place already because people get coverage no matter what in the state that other states had no clue they could achieve. And so that perspective is not lost on me. And after a, a year and a half, as you can imagine, studying every nuance of government, I now see exactly what is possible. And there's a lot that's possible in the state of Hawaii. It is tragic to see people lose jobs. And it's very, very tragic to see the fear in people's eyes when they wonder, could they contract a disease that's scary uh, for some, although most people should be fine, I I'll tell you. Uh, but I also see an ex exceptional opportunity because this is the first time in decades we've had kind of a clean slate approach. And that means that there will be no excuses if I serve as governor to take on and end homelessness, to restructure how we look at health and mental illness and addiction, to change the economy so that we utilize the university for an energy economy and change some of our building focus so it's not all hotels but instead is also uh, actual housing for us, our people so these are opportunities that when you had the structures that were just generating money after money after money people are so reluctant to ever walk away or change that you do run into uh kind of an, an immovable object uh, and I don't feel that the object is so immovable uh, anymore. Well, it's great. I, it's like we're given a chance for a global reset here, at least here locally, a reset. What a fantastic opportunity. And hopefully for us, as little pain as possible. Yeah. We're very fortunate. And I really, 
I personally am very thankful that you're in charge, if you will, because I feel your compassion and uh, your your uh, priorities are in order. I uh, watch it a national scene and international, and it scares me. So I'm very thankful that you're here and guiding this ship. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it. And I, I wish there was a little more guiding I could do on some days, but each, each day I can tell you that behind the scenes, sometimes out in front, I'm able to make comments about whether it's the cruise ships or getting everyone access to testing and screening or um, doing the pause on travel here, unless it's done very safely, that we have had a very positive impact on. In spite of some of the fights and scuffles that people perceive about uh, what goes on in politics, and it does, I'm not going to tease, it, it happens periodically, but we, my team has been, I hope, thoughtful and we've prevailed in those opinions. And we're also now, I think, prevailing in some of the businesses that are opening. And let me show you, um, your, your folks will be happy to know that just an hour ago, we announced um, major business reopening. Some retail, retail stores across the state, floral, auto dealers, nonprofits can now open, real estate, electronics. So we're opening a large, large swath of business right now. The concerns I have, however, are what do you do when... Uh, lots of people start showing up possibly infected with COVID. So that's the next phase of what I'm looking at. Um, we're even able to influence other things like getting 12 step programs back up and, and available to people. I, I think that that's very important in a time where people are feeling a sense of crisis. So this is the kind of things that, that I'm focused on. And I hope that that, hope that it ends up meaning something in, in real terms for people. I, I hope so too. And, um, I, I am excited about the fact that in this time that we all have, the ones that don't have jobs, that we can look at creating a new, I want to say new use. A lot of people, I believe, would be happy to be doing different things. You know, we're uh, yes. and in the area of healthcare, um, I don't know if how closely you look. I had sent you some stuff about this. There's a gentleman in Kula named John Beatty who has been working five years as a machine that creates HHO, which is hydroxyhydrogen, hydrogen and oxygen. And through communications, I don't know how they seem to come to me, there's a doctor in China that has found that this hydroxyhydrogen helps open up the alveoli in the lungs and helps people that would have been on respirators not need to be there because it 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 uh, stops the inflammation in the lungs and stuff. How does a small business here in these kind of times, because I'm sure there are others that have ideas also, but him even, where do they get the help? I mean, to go and try to get something on an emergency basis, I don't know if that's appropriate now or what, but there's... Here locally, I mean, I've, I've seen technologies like this and they're in regenerative agriculture, things that mm -hmm. could really progress industry. If, if hydrogen was understood and they could have health spas that understand the benefits of things that uh, would turn us into, uh, how about having resort spas for health? I mean, it's not unreasonable that Hawaii is already known for uh, health. But to sort of transform a lot of the people that are already working in different industries into serving even a new a new kind of industry, and our chance to do uh, 
have the, the people that are growing food here and all kinds of things. I guess you can hear me talking about wanting to help some of the people here that aren't as sophisticated with how to be businessy. Small business, you know, the small core of retired executives or small business center may help some, but it's almost like we need, um, I want to say more adventurous capital. You know, I mean, everyone can fit in conforming loans, but in these times when technologies come forward, do you see places for that in our state and our, in our budget and our systems? Because that's what I'm really trying. I find technologies that could use a little help. And they often say, well, don't go to the state. Don't go to the feds. They're never going to help you. It's too much responsibility. Only look for private industry. But I keep thinking in a small state, especially, if we strengthen the, the core, there, you know, we're in a position that we don't have to diminish, you know, don't diminish the electric company, make them part of the investment team to solve that problem, or in healthcare or things. So, to, so some of the, the main corporate ones could somehow get involved in alternative solutions in a new way that Hawaii would almost create a new model if you will. And uh, that yeah. there are some possibilities there. The, there. There are some realities, some hard realities are from a state standpoint, we're going to, it's going to be tough economically for a year, year and a half. There, there's no doubt about that. But Hawaii, as it reinvents itself, there's no reason that instead of propping up certain uh, industries that are already doing well, once tourism is up and doing well, to do innovative healthcare solutions is definitely a place that we could put resource. There's also little doubt to me that if people do decide to find a health incubator, I've seen some very successful people um, kind of take a jump up during this crisis. Uh, even I, I believe on Maui, I think Kai Mattis is a, um, a physician over there that does some inventions and they had individual capital uh, invest in them, but it was, it was uh, a big, um, jump for them and all of a sudden they're creating ventilators that have a new technology bridge ventilators and certain things so there are opportunities and hawaii could definitely see people working less in structured economy and having more time to work in other areas and usually the way the state can support that is through the university system and the university system has to be vibrant to be able to you know have a kind of a a tolerance for risk, but it should. That's a great place to have risk tolerance. Well, I was and I thinking hope that that's a big part of the future, yes. Well, I was just thinking like there are uh, interns and students there that could well start into some of these industries and add their own twist to it and really be a vibrant, clean, exportable industry. I'm mm -hmm. really big for uh, hearing that, that you're open to that. And I'm sure, like you say, the state is one thing, and they may not have money for a while because they're spending on other stuff, but it may interest private individuals and private groups to get more involved, especially when they've now had a chance to see what happens and what the potential is for things if we don't do things in a more vibrant way now. So we need to do good things. It's, it's an opportunity. A lot of the rules have been deconstructed, and a lot of the structures themselves have you know, cracked at the edges. So it can be a good time for opportunity. I think that there is going to be an attraction of investment and wealth in Hawaii still that 
the, the fundamentals of Hawaii haven't changed at all or gone away at all. It's still beautiful. It's still a, a once in a lifetime for many destination. And it is still the safest, healthiest place overall in the United States, just needless to say, uh, and maybe internationally. But now it won't, the assumption will not be automatic that if you want to go to Hawaii, you're going there to be a part of tourism, period. End of story. Maybe this is the time. I think renewable energy solutions should find a major niche here in Hawaii. We, we should have done that all along, yeah. but that is a very, very good opportunity for us when we've got ocean power and considerations of certain things like wind and geothermal and how they interact and so on. I mean, these are not without controversy and not without challenges, but also opportunities that almost nobody else has. So I, I like the ideas. I, I like the idea of us being an innovative state rather than a place where uh, only you're going to do well in business if you run a fancy hotel. Right, I'm with you. Um, right now, um, if you were talking to an audience, you'd be talking to them about COVID-19 mostly. What are the most important things that you'd like the public to know right now, in either in the way they should be or be thinking about this or what you see coming up? What, what feels important for you to deliver? Well, one thing that's very important is that uh, people not despair. We've kept the mortality rate the lowest in the nation, and that's a very good thing. So people should know they've succeeded in a way that we haven't often seen us come together as one ohana, which is very, very good. Uh, two, they should, we shouldn't get cocky because you can see this thing explode quite quickly in a lot of different states and countries. So please, during the next couple months, continue to practice the, the appropriate social distancing and mask wearing as needed if you're going to be within six feet of anybody, even though our, our, our viral loads are very low, I just don't want to see an outbreak that's unnecessary. So please be careful. Uh, we're going to continuously and rapidly restore people's freedoms to be outside, which I think is totally safe, and to be at the beaches, which I also think is totally safe. Uh, do a little social distancing, but if you're there with your own family cohort or friends that are all negative, you're not running an extra risk. So those are the things that will re be restored, but don't get too cocky and uh, prepare, prepare for a fairly rapid uh, renewal of our old ways in the state for businesses. That will happen, although everything will be quiet because if you run a furniture company, it's gonna take a little time before people have money to buy furniture. And if you run a restaurant and you get open, you know, we're not gonna have tourists there, so your volume will be lower. But prepare uh, for what will probably be a very large pent up demand for Hawaii. I can easily envision uh, wealthy individuals from all across the world wanting to come here without hesitation because we've done so well in keeping this a, a very healthy, clean, safe state. Uh, those are some of the things I would tell people. I would tell them that our healthcare system is uh, well prepared for them, notwithstanding some of the scares we had locally on, on our island on Maui. Uh, we have only used about between 11 and 13% of our ventilators in any given time, which means we, unlike anybody else, had more than enough. We are planning, at least I am, with top people at all times, a strategy to keep us from getting a surge, which is important, uh, which again will bode well for our future. And then finally, uh, don't shy away from new opportunities and new ideas. I really hope that I see what I thought was going to happen was I thought it was going to happen in 2000 when we had the millennium changing. I thought we were going to get a new world. There was a mentality there that that seemed to move the spirit towards new opportunity. And then 9/11 happened, and it just wasn't you know we became a uh, 
a concerned security state with uh, our eyes on terrorism. So I think now 2020 is when the millennium is really gonna begin, is my expectation. And that's mostly because people's existential uh, consideration has been uh, brought to the fore. And, and we now have looked at ourselves in the, you know, in the context of we could have been wiped out and each and every one of us was equally vulnerable. And I think that will change our priorities greatly. And that means that Hawaii has an opportunity to, instead of fighting over the telescope, uniting over what we should do together for the next decade. And instead of um, worrying about putting together another plan for 5,000 visitors, maybe it's putting together a plan that's better for our education system and what's good for us here at home. So I think priorities are shifting already very quickly and I'm, I'm excited about that. So I hope people take that to heart uh, and don't come from a place of fear as this, as this COVID crisis diminishes. Look at this as the new opportunity to start Hawaii the way you wanted it all along. Well, I can tell you from a personal point of view, um, seeing you in charge and listening to you gives me a level of confidence that I hope uh, all of our viewers share. And um, if there's anything we can do to be service to you, and as an outlet for you to be able to communicate to people here in Maui, I'm always open here to you. Thank anything you. otherwise that you'd like to, to say to our group? Well, just thank you everyone for your sacrifice. I know it has been extreme. It has really been extraordinary to see people willing to sacrifice for the good of many. And that's really what humanity was supposed to be about. So just a brief thank you uh, here as we head towards Mother's Day and, and, and the summer as we, we start to return to some normalcy. Just thank you. Thank you from me and Jamie and Sam and Maya. We appreciate what you've done. And I hope that I'm able to reward you 10 times over with good plans and kind of openness as we go forward, because it definitely is a new era for Hawaii and probably for all of our country. But I'm going to focus on Hawaii. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Uh, it's a pleasure having you here on the show. And I look forward to working with you, not only here at this, but on different projects as we go along and we're past this hump. Thank you for your service. Thank you deeply. Super. It was my pleasure.